You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Have you ever heard someone say that they don't bother with Facebook, Twitter, and other social media because it's a waste of time? It's something only kids do or people who are totally bored? Maybe you've even said this yourself. Of course, these words are just part of a limiting story. A story that no one can afford to believe in today's world. Especially if you're someone who wants to achieve large-scale success. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners a free download of one of your favorite audio books. You get to choose from 180,000 titles, and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.aud. IBLETrial.com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is Change Your Story, Change Your Life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers, my listeners. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Today's guest is a man who really understands the power of social media. And he understood it more than 14 years ago. He's the co-founder and CEO of Bad Rhino Inc. Now, this is a full-service social media marketing agency based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And he's been using social media strategies and internet marketing strategies to actively build online marketing businesses for 14 years. He quickly realized the power of social media and recruitment, marketing, and small businesses, and since 2003, 
He's consulted with small businesses and startups to help them succeed online. Now, Bad Rhino, as I said, is a full-service social media marketing and digital agency. It was founded in 2011. Today, it services clients locally, nationally, and even globally. And one of the reasons that it's grown to be so successful so quickly is really due to their ability to develop truly unique and highly customized strategies that create incredible exposure for their clients' businesses. Their full-service approach means that they not only create these strategies and plans, but they also implement them and manage them day-to-day, including delivering messages to their customers. Bad Rhino won the top agency award in 2016 by the research firm Clutch. It has clients in specialty food, craft beer, restaurant, golf, insurance, staffing, apparel, fitness, nonprofit, Fortune 500, and even major league baseball players, as well as several other small businesses. Now, the man behind this, the brain child of this is um, named Marty McDonald, and I'm really excited to invite Marty today, even though he was stuck in a snowstorm, to the show. Marty, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Oh, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the, the interview, and thank you for having me on. And well, That was a wonderful introduction. Well, you know what? Um, I didn't make it up. <laughs> it's it's your, <laughs> it's yours, my friend. So I like to begin always at the beginning. Where were you born, Marty? I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now you live in Westchester, right? Uh, just outside of Westchester in Chester Springs. Yes. Just curious. This is an aside. It wasn't part of my uh, one of my interview questions. But are you familiar with an? Uh, a gentleman who lives in Westchester named Jimmy Smith. Yes, I am. Actually, the butcher, right? Well, I'm glad you said that. Jimmy was a butcher for most of his adult life. And Mm -hmm. at the age of 72, you ready for this? 72, he joined a network marketing company. That's at a point when most people say it's too late to do anything new. And between the ages of 72 and 89, Jimmy has earned, with his family, I hope you're sitting down, more than $40 million. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I'm familiar with him and his story, actually. I love him. He's a good friend of mine. I love the man. He's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. Now, are you from a large family? Uh fairly large family. Um, I mean, just how you describe large, I mean, you know, on my mom's side, there was five kids. On my dad's side, there were six kids. So, you know, you have lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and all that. Uh, I guess I meant more your immediate, like do you have a lot of siblings? Uh, just three or two. Uh, I'm the oldest of three. Okay. And when you were growing up, who influenced you the most as a child? Yeah, that's a great question, you know, and sometimes on a day when you get up and (laughs) you're thinking, you're thinking about things, I mean, you got to get up first. That's the (laughs) the key to uh, the key to your day. But, you know, depending on how it's going, I can draw on a lot of different influences in my life, which is nice. You know, Um, it's nice to be able to think that way. So whenever I get asked that question, who had the most influence, it's difficult to 
to answer because it really depends on the situation and not to cop out and say I don't know, but it really does. I've had a lot of different life experiences um, when I was younger and I got to spend a lot of time with different family members as well as different people uh, in general and I would say all of them have influence and like I said, it depends on that moment in time who had the most influence on you and I think I really enjoy that and I enjoy having different people in my life. Beautiful, beautiful answer. When you were a child, did you have a, a specific dream of what you wanted to be when you grew up? A lot of kids do. I'm almost 42, so I don't really have a dream yet or feel like I've grown <laughs> up. <laughs> um, but no, I, I did. I When I was, uh, I would say when I was about 11 years old, it was somewhere in there. I had just moved to a new home, a new area. And I remember um, sitting around thinking about just things in general, like when you, you're unpacking all your stuff and you're moving around. And as a kid, you're getting adjusted to a new school and you're doing different things. So you have a lot on your mind. And I remember sitting around, sitting on the um, family room floor and just had you know, different things out. Like, hey, am I going to get rid of this? I had a younger brother, so is he going to keep this? Where are you going to put this? And I remember having a couple of different things out, you know, a couple of trucks, a couple of things I probably outgrown, a couple of things I was really interested in keeping. And I was like, this is pretty neat. Maybe if I had something where I could start working here and then working there and then working here and working there, I had like four things in front of me. And I remember crafting this little vision where having multiple different businesses um, at the time, they weren't probably 11 years old businesses, but when I stop and I think about it, they were, and how they would start to interact. I remember spending like an hour or two, you know, really in my own mind um, at 11 years old, like where this is going to go, but this would be neat if this happened. And it really started, when I look back on it, becoming what my entrepreneurial adventure has been in having my hands in different pots at different times and really what ultimately led me to marketing. So um, that would probably be the earliest memory of having a dream of becoming an entrepreneur or a business person um, in that context. Wow. Now, did you have any particular childhood jobs? So I, for instance, I remember that the first thing I did to make money as a kid, I, I shined shoes. Right. What about you? Yeah, uh, uh, I did a lot of little things. Um, pretty much anything I get my hands on. My dad was really good with teaching me um, to do work, number one. Um, always had things out there for us to do. Uh, every summer um, as a kid, we had a list of things that we had to do before we could go out and just play. They weren't necessarily things for, for money. Um, these were things that we just had to do. And some of them weren't just like take out the trash or clean your room. Those things were expected. Um, they were things like, okay, I want you to do 20 math problems. I want you to you know, read 20 pages of whatever your summer reading was. Even if it wasn't summer reading, my mom, who was a teacher, always had things for us to do so that we would be ahead of the game when we got to school and a lot of things like that. So I learned like, you know, a little bit of structure early on and kind of a little bit of work before play. And then, you know, as I got older, I had my first job when I was 12. My uncle had me working uh, with him landscaping and it started off just a few hours on Saturdays every once in a while. And what was I really doing? I mean, I was really running back and forth for him from the truck to the, you know, wherever he was on the job and just kind of observing for the most part. But, you know, I would be his legs 
uh, for those few hours. And I kept that job every summer until I was about 23. Wow. Uh, right wow. through college, I, I landscaped and I did all aspects of that. So, you know, the little things, like I said, like the, the quote unquote chores that you had as a kid all the way through, you know, my first job and uh, I put myself through school and bought my own car and did a variety of other things by working there. And then um, I had a job at a record store during that time. I did a little bit of basic bartending. I worked at the university I went to at a front desk position. And those would all be, uh, when you combine them all, would be my first job experience. Cool, cool. What, what, what did your dad do for a living? What did he, what did he do? My dad was a CPA. Okay. Um, you know, so he started out working for somebody and then he had his own practice it wasn't huge or anything like that but he had a handful of clients and allowed him to control his own schedule he also struck out on his own now do you uh you said you went to university what did you study in college Uh, not much Um, (laughs) (laughs) and that's evident by my grades i wasn't the best student at all um i was good in, in high school and i went to a private high school and i will have to say this i mean i thank my parents um, in my own mind every day that I went to a private high school and was able to get um, a college level education when I was younger. And when I got out of high school and went to college, I did study business and I had a concentration in management um, slash human resources. And I did very well in my business courses. Um, but outside of that, um, I was bored, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, that's, uh, very- that's, that's actually a good sign. That's a good sign. <laughs> So I figured out a way, honestly, to, to graduate barely. And once I sat down with an advisor and uh, he was nice enough to map it out and saying, okay, you need to get this and this done. And as I said, my business uh, classes, I did very well in. I was interested in that. But if I needed a D in chemistry or a C in biology or you know a B in history, I just went for where I needed in order to graduate, and that's how I graduated. But I was, like I said, a hard worker. I enjoyed working. I wound up um, getting some interviews for internships, and that's how I really uh, was able to pull everything together, create a resume when I graduated to get my first job. Wow. Okay. Now, how did you start Bad Rhino? And let's let's hear how that name even came up. Sure. So we have to start way back when, um, what feels like way back when in internet and social media terms for sure, but it also feels like it was yesterday, back in about 2002 when I was a headhunter and I was working for a small company and I started utilizing the first pieces of social media on LinkedIn to market my jobs as well as attract new candidates for the jobs that I had open. And that started really it really started me on that path of marketing thinking about i'm solving for somebody's pain point and i'm also helping somebody move into something else and getting them a product or a service in this case finding them a job and tying the two together and i started really falling in love with the process of marketing and interview skills and everything else helped me really pull out the pain points of what it was my candidates were looking for in a new job. So I started using that and using some early form marketing techniques and led me into a hobby, which was Google AdSense at the time. And I started making some money with affiliate products. And then I started studying marketing more and more. And about three years after I was into it, 
I got a call from a, a friend of a friend and put me in touch with somebody and I started doing his marketing. He was an accountant. Then there was a lawyer buddy of his. I started doing his. And then I started just doing small business in general on the side as a hobby. You fast forward to 2010. I'm sitting there with my now business partner and he had an idea for a company uh, which ultimately became Bad Rhino, and you asked about the name, so this is this is where that story starts. He came to me and said, you know, this is what I've been doing. He had a blog, and his blog was doing really well, and he was interviewed on all these different uh, places, Wall Street Journal, Career Journal, um, uh, Sirius XM radio shows, Reader's Digest. He had a blog that was helping people look for jobs and giving great advice called Corner on the Job. And... He said, people are coming to me saying, how did I grow this for three years? And it's all around social media. And I think I have an idea for a company. And he started laying out the plans of which have now become Bad Rhino after seven years. And you know, right out of the gate, it was Bad Rhino. And I started tying the stuff together that I was doing in small business as well as in the corporate world. And he and I started going back and forth. And I said, Rich, I said, if you come up with a cool name, I said, I will help you get started. At the time, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I said, but I'll help you get started if you can agree to this. Um, one, you follow, you have a name, and two, you meet with me when I have free time, and you make your schedule open because I was traveling a lot at the time. And Rich is very thorough, and he's great in terms of creativity. And I thought it would take him about two weeks to come up with a name. Um, knowing how thorough he is. Well, he came back in about 45 minutes, <laughs> wrote 10 names on the board. Two, uh, eight of them I cannot remember for the life of me. The other two, one was Moosehorn and the other was Bad Rhino. And three months from that date, which was August 2010, in November 1st, we had our first client and we were off to the races ever since. Wow. So what was the first name? that I didn't, I didn't quite get that. Uh, the first name was Moosehorn. Now, so why did you settle on Rhino? I'm just curious about that. Well, we liked the idea of what a Rhino represented, just thick skin charging through the jungle. Um, but we also liked the idea, it was just sounded cool. Um, nothing more, nothing less. We came up with a color scheme pretty quickly thereafter. We got a logo done, and that was it. And what we found was very quickly that people were responding to the name, so we kept it. And that was it. There was no more thought, nothing else to it. Um, it's pretty crazy. No, no, it's actually quite good. Are you familiar with the name, a man named Jerry Clark? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever met him? The, he's called Durino. <clears throat> yeah, I met him out in Vegas like nine years ago. I saw yeah. him speak. And, of course, he chose his name for the same reason, that the rhinoceros has thick skin and nothing will stop the rhino. It just charges and charges and charges. So it became his image for tenacity and I'm going to get it done. I'm going to succeed no matter what. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love it. Um, I'm curious. So you met him. You know Jimmy Smith. Have you ever been involved in network marketing yourself? I have um, yeah. a couple of different times, yeah. Oh, Cool. And when you started studying marketing and you fell in love with it, uh, what are there any marketers who really stand out for you, who became like shining lights or mentors to you uh, in terms of their material and their vision? Um, there's a laundry list that I've studied. Um, I kind of like to go back to 
some originals, so to speak, in the marketing world. I think it gets lost in translation in whatever business or industry you're in when marketing fundamentals have been around for the longest period of time. I mean, you go back to the Bible and you can see marketing in there. Um, there's a lot of things that I like to focus on when thinking about marketing or following somebody, but there's two in, in Gary, Gary Halbert um, would be one in his copywriting. Um, another one would be Dan Kennedy in direct response. And then the third one is actually a, a friend of mine, and he has a great email newsletter, um, and it's Ben Settle. And he does great work within email and copywriting. And their styles of marketing um, really have helped me shape what Bad Rhino has become because the social media aspect of it is so new, but the fundamentals of marketing are old and true. And um, that's what we like to keep focus on is stuff that's worked in the past and create custom plans for our clients at Bad Rhino that are going to work for them. The same thing for one restaurant. It's not going to work for another one or whatever business you're in. We want to keep that very, very clear and very, very focused on the client and what results they want to get. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm glad. Well, I'm familiar definitely with Dan Kennedy and, and Halpert. And uh, you're talking about two giants. And uh, in fact, I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube, Frank Kern interviews Dan Kennedy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, do you ever see that interview? Um, I don't know if I've, I probably have, because if it's anything with Dan Kennedy in there, I, I probably definitely have seen it. Yeah, the man's absolutely brilliant. I love that. Now, you have a diverse clientele. So sure. why have you, why those particular clients? Why have you chosen <laughs> to serve them? That's a great question. Great, great question. And we get it very often. And we don't do much marketing of our own. Um, part of it is we're, you know, we're the cobbler's children, uh, so we don't get our own marketing. Um, the other side of it is, you know, I have to give credit to Rich here um, as well. It's definitely not a one-man show and just me. Uh, we're very customer-focused, and when we started off in working with our clients, we really put every single thing, and we still do, whatever their needs are, we put them at the forefront. And we've turned down potential clients, obviously, if it's not a good fit for us or them. But we put them always right in the front. And we probably could have grown a little bit faster if we put some marketing dollars behind who we were at the very beginning. But we didn't. And we built it all on referral. So when you see a diverse client base, the majority of that business has come from referrals from current or past clients. And that has been only a, a testament of who we are in that we've had success, um, it's also given us a diverse client list. And yeah, would you like to have a niche that you're really driving through? Absolutely. But it's really hard when a current client goes to their friends, you need to hire these guys because they're doing great for us, especially when you're first starting out. And they're ready, they're already there with checkbook in hand, like, okay, let's get started. So that's how we developed a diverse client list. Now, at maturing as a business, we, are, we do have some areas that we've been focusing on. Like what? Uh, one is craft beer, which I have a book um, that just hit Amazon um, last Friday, actually. Um, it's all called Great Beer is Not Enough, and it's focused on the craft beer industry. We've also had multiple clients in the golf industry and multiple clients in the craft food industry. Like, um, not craft food, but specialty food. Hmm. I had written down here... 
why craft beer and pro athletes, but of course I wrote it down and I said, <laughs> well, pro athletes probably drink a lot of craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the best ones do. I think they wait till they retire, but yeah, we've, we've had a few uh, pro athletes and on the PGA side and the golf side has been more teaching professional. Right, it's right. Not, um, not, the, not the Tiger Woods of the world or the Phil Mickelson's of the world, although I wish. Um, and we're open to that if you're listening to this. Um, but, um, yeah, we've done some things in Major League Baseball as well as the PGA sections. And, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wide, diverse ride, and I wouldn't change a thing because it's made us who we are. Beautiful. What you said before was interesting, though. You said well, we'd like to have a, a niche market, but you're getting referrals. But in my mind, is it, correct me if I'm wrong, that the smart idea is to begin with a niche, but mm-hmm. that if, you, if you're successful with that, what will happen is that those people will start to recommend people outside of the niche, and then you can expand your business as opposed to, you know, necessarily taking a shotgun approach at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I think you can, I could make the argument either way after being in business for seven years running the same, you know, running this agency. Um, I, I, I go back and forth sometimes. There, there's times when you know, you're going through everything and you have to change gears because you're talking to, um, you know, you're talking to a very, very specific craft beer type brand. And then you have to turn around and talk to um, one of our nonprofits that's, you know, about breast cancer awareness and nutrition. And you're like, whoa, you know, like your head's spinning a little bit. But the fundamentals are the same uh, to a certain degree. I mean, some of the things change a little bit. But the fundamentals are the same, and you just need to be able to focus and change that focus. And I think we have a great team. We have a team of 15 people um, that we have on, on staff. And you know, when you are shifting between there, you're you're trying to find out what's what's what. When you go back to meet a client for lunch or, or talking with other uh, stakeholders, um, that's the only challenge. And you can make the argument either way. But I really firmly believe what you just said. If you're doing really good, doesn't matter which way you start out. They just bring you different business because people talk. That's right. Exactly. Now, did you face and overcome any big obstacles on your road to success? I think a ton of them. <laughs> I think <laughs> today and yesterday would be one. Just Even just being small, being stranded by... Well, it could even be, stuff and could, could even, no, I'm talking about like uh, personal... You know, sometimes people... Um, face incredible personal struggles that mm-hmm. make them feel they'll never be a success and then they break, make a breakthrough. I don't know if that applies to you. Yeah, I, I've had more than my fair share and I'm not saying that to, to to brag, but I think everybody goes through them and it depends on who you are and what you, what you do and how you handle it. But I had a couple of them. The first one I think was probably the major obstacle in my life um, in terms of having something slam you in the head and, you know, come out of the blue was my mom passing away on Christmas night, uh, suddenly back in 2005. And I was just getting started in what I would call my entrepreneurial journey. And, um, you know, it's like sudden, like what's going to happen? What are people doing? How are you handling that? And whenever you lose anybody like that, it doesn't matter what age it still hits you, but when you're not expecting it, you can almost go into like, you know, your own cocoon and never come out. And you have to put one foot in front of the other 
to just make it through a day or two and then slowly start to pull the pieces together in terms of, all right, is it the end of the world? It sure feels like it, but it's not. And you have to start going back. Like the first question you asked me, the people that influenced you, and those are the times when you draw on those influences and be like, okay, you're going to face adversity in life. It's not a bowl of cherries every day. And not everyone's just going to come by and say hi and pat you on the head and make sure you're okay. You're going to have these things that slam your head, slam you right in the head, and you have to move forward. And I think that would be the first one. And I didn't feel like doing shit. Excuse my language, but no, 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 I didn't cool. feel like doing anything. You know? Right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I didn't yeah. Feel like doing a thing um, for a solid few weeks and just trying to figure it out. And then I had, um, you know, my siblings and then my father um, and just people looking at me going, okay, well, what's up? You know, just not because I had to do everything, but from this standpoint of i need help too we all need help how are you going to support everything and you just start to look around you realize really quick that business and other things in life really don't mean anything you know and it's just something else that you have to do but you know after a short while you have to get get on with your life so to speak and you have to move forward and you have to digest that but i think the very interesting part to all of that is when you do get hit with adversity like that is how are things going to, you know, make it move forward? Because like I said, you didn't feel like doing anything. It wasn't like the bills were magically going to get paid. It wasn't like anything else that I had to do um, really needed to um, just magically happen. You had to take care of it, but you also have this like big hole, right? So how do you fill it in? How do you start working through there? And it was a struggle because when you look at a business plan or you look at what you're going to do, it's really hard to actually treat that as something quote unquote important. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really important at all, but you really start to put those things really in perspective. And it had, it had me reorder my life and it took some time. It wasn't like, Hey, this happened yesterday. And then two days later, everything was fine. It took some, took some time to mm-hmm. work through, it took some time to really, really put together. So that would be the huge one that really, you know, where you could just fall off the face of the earth and just punch a clock and just be miserable and just be like, oh, you know, nothing's ever going to be right, you know, because this happened. And then you go from there. And then my first really big entrepreneurial one to go into, you know, the next part of it was, you know, coming out of the the passing of my mom, I was like, I need to do something different. Like, I can't just go to work every day. I was very successful. I was making a very good living. Um but I was like, I need to do more. Like, I need to do something more, you know, like almost like make an impact, but more so for myself. And it was probably, you know, a little bit selfish, but I got into the real estate world and we all know what happened in 2008 and 2009. Well, that was just a punch in the gut in a different direction, just from economic reasons, right? Yeah, uh-huh. And, you know, you go through that whole hardship and all of that um, hardened me just from a standpoint of having a foundation a very strong foundation being going through that to actually then you know starting to build bad rhino the right way starting to realize that certain things are going to pop up for sure some are going to be extreme some are not going to be so extreme and you have to keep moving forward because really in essence not only in business but that's life you just you're going to keep moving forward if you're not moving forward then you're going to have issues no matter what so those would be the two big ones Thank you for sharing that, because it really is, I mean, central to what I'm passionate about um, bringing to my listeners. There's this idea that uh, 
it's all a story. And you have the choice constantly to either allow the circumstances around you to define the story or you to create an empowering story in the face of circumstances that are painful. And mm-hmm. um, and you made, the, you made some strong choices and the results are paying off in your life. Getting directly to the things that you do, what are the biggest social media marketing challenges that, that you see people and businesses facing? So yeah, so the, the biggest social media challenge that I see out there for entrepreneurs, small business owners, even bigger businesses is they treat it as a very complex organism. You know, it's like this is going to be very, very hard to do rather than break it down into small chunks. And yes, it is complex. There's There's no doubt there that things are complex and it can get crazy when you're starting to come from a traditional marketing sense into the internet world. But with all that being said, there's tons of tools now in 2017 that can really make things easier for that business owner. And what they try and do is make it more complex than it has to be. And, and one of the things that we've worked with with all of our clients is saying, let's make sure that we know what works for you traditionally. Let's make sure that we know it's been working for you two years ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever the case might be, so that we understand not only their products and services, but also the clients that they currently have, the clients that they want, and the community that they can either build online or that they currently have in one way, shape, or form. But the biggest challenge, bottom line, is people make it far more complex than it actually has to be. And it's time consuming, there's no doubt, there's time consuming to get online, but it doesn't have to be as cumbersome Um, as they make it out to be. And I still think that's the biggest challenge now. Great. What would you say would be one or two of the best tools that people can use to simplify their lives? I think two of the tools that I always recommend, because we use them, um, we have some bigger capacities for them, but the first one would be Hootsuite, which can give you a look and help you schedule and help you track social media across multi-different channels. Um, it's H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com, Hootsuite, like an owl, Hootsuite.com. Um, it can help you out tremendously having a dashboard. Then the other one is Sprout Social, which is a little bit more in-depth, can give you some analytics. It can also help you schedule. can also help you do a handful of other things um, in looking into your own social media. That would be the other one that I would use. And the third one, just real quick, is... Anytime you go online, whether it's email marketing, website, you know, you're designing a new website, social media, of course, content creation across different platforms, whether it's video, blog posts, articles, whatever, make sure you create some sort of content calendar to track it. And those would be the three things that I would suggest. And your content calendar doesn't have to be anything too complex. It could just be a simple spreadsheet uh, that you have where you're keeping track of things. That's cool. I like that. Now, can you spell the second one? You spell uh, the... Sprout Social. Yes. S P R O U T, and then Social S O C I A L. Okay. Great. That's good. Good tips. Fantastic. And what does Sprout Social do for people exactly? Um, it's a little similar to Hootsuite, and you can do some scheduling, and you can look across everything. But it's primarily a scheduling tool, and you can get some very good analytics that you can't get um it just basically creates some great reports for that so you can look at your audience and you can look at some other stuff fantastic 
And I just found out about one for YouTube called uh, VidIQ, which, well, Hmm. it's different. I mean, VidIQ will allow you to track the analytics on any video that you see. Oh, great. Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah. So I, I know that one of the things that intimidates people is the different platforms. There are so many social media platforms. So what tips would you give for the best ways for a business or an entrepreneur to leverage the different social media platforms so that they're working in tandem? My my biggest thing with that question is master one Mm. and then move on to the next. So most of the time... And I would say more than most of the time, 98% of the time, our potential customers come to us with like a mess and they just kind of hand it over and say, okay, this is what we've been doing, but we can't get traction on any of this. And the reason they can't get traction on any of it is that they're spread too thin. So I tell everybody, number one, Master well, first of all, figure out where your audience is. You mentioned YouTube. We we've not really touched upon any channels like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. But the first thing you want to be able to do is understand where the people you want to target are hanging out. I always just go back to Facebook because it's the biggest one. It's the one where you can have the most targeting and it's where the most people are. Start there and and master one of them. So let's master Facebook. Um, learn the ins and outs. Learn how to run ads on there. Learn how to post content, how to create a content calendar, how to create a community. Then take that and start to move through the other ones. You can set up some basic things. Like I always encourage everybody uh, to claim your real estate, get a YouTube channel, get your Instagram up, get uh, your Twitter handle done, all those sort of things, and make sure that you're all set. But don't try and do everything on every single channel all at once because you're just going to make a mess of things unless you have an entire team to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Beautiful. What changes to business do you think the Internet is going to bring that people aren't even thinking about today? Because I think it's going to create major disruption in the world. And I think the disruption is good, but I'm curious about your take on that. Yeah, I think the disruption's already started, and I think it started quite a few years ago. And I think you're just starting to see the maturation of it. Um, So that's the first part. I think the next phase of it that you're going to see, and again, you're already seeing it, is the Internet in your day-to-day life. I mean, everybody carries around a cell phone, and they're carrying around that cell phone, and that has more computing power in it than what most people had, you know, three, four, five, even six years ago. And then if you go back just a touch further, which doesn't sound too crazy, but just 10 years to 2007 has more computing power than most people had in their hands then. So when you really look at how fast things are moving, um, you're taking the cell phone that's already born into everybody's day. Your TVs are now smart and wired for the internet. You have... Uh, household appliances that are 100% wired for the internet. You have refrigerators that can keep track of your food order and actually order food for you when you get <laughs> low on things. So I think what you're going to see is exactly that. You know, what changes, how the internet comes into your day-to-day life, 
and really, you know, confounds also helps, you know, make your life simpler. Um, I'll just, I use a car as an example. I've never been a mechanic, but 10, 15 years ago, if I opened the hood of a car, I could absolutely figure some things out, right? You know, it's some basic knowledge and, you know, maybe I wouldn't be able to fix it, but I might be able to diagnose something to a certain degree or at least change my oil and do some other things. Well, I just bought a brand new car in 2017. I took a look under that hood. I got no idea what's going on under there. Like, it's all computerized, basically. <laughs> um, I'm not going to mess with it. I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's a Honda Accord. But I'm not going to mess with anything in there because you can just see it's all tied to computer stuff so they can have all these sensors and all these other things. And I think that's the biggest thing is how are companies going to be able to harness all that information to make business decisions and, you know, just continue on in their own business and how it's going to change. And I, I think that's what we're on the cusp of. Where it goes, I have no idea. Some of it seems really cool to me. Some of it seems a touch scary, but we'll keep going. Well, that's great. Now, but how, how would you say the internet and digital technology have directly impacted your life, both for good and maybe for bad? You know, I'm in, I own an agency that focuses first and foremost on social media marketing. And I'm on all social media channels, but I also don't like it <laughs> to a certain degree <laughs> from a personal, I love marketing on it. I love uh, putting things out there for my clients. I love working on strategy and how to tie it all together. And then there's also a part of me that's like, well, I'm not going to put this out there because I don't want the world to know what I'm doing right now. So I also understand that aspect of it. And that always really, you know, just impacts my life on the good and the bad side, almost sometimes on a daily basis, swinging both ways. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, I think technology is good as long as it's used for good. You know, it's no different than, you know, if I own guns and, you know, they sit there most of the time, right? Right. If I go out and I use them, as long as I'm using them in the right purposes, they don't hurt anybody. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm using that analogy because it's a, it's a very, very direct point. But if, God forbid, it got into a bad hand or somebody was going to use it with bad intent, that could do a lot of damage. And I think technology is the same concept. Mm-hmm. If you can use it for good, then use it. And you can use it for bad, then use it. But I also think you need to be cautious of anything. Anything that you're doing to excess is going to hurt you, and that includes technology. So I think that's probably the biggest impact. Okay. But are, are, would you say that you're ultimately optimistic about this new world that's emerging? I think so. Um, I... I I, I, I'm a very real, <laughs> real person. I like to look at things um, in a very, like, very straight line manner. You know, there, there's things that are very black and light in this world, and then there's things that are, are very gray, and then there's other things that are gray with a whole bunch of other colors that could take them to black or white pretty quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think overall, yes, I think you can connect more people. I think you can start to do certain things like 3D printing, I think is really, really cool. And if you've ever taken a look at some of that where they can build houses in three, four days, you know, relatively inexpensive, I think that could change the world. I think that water technologies and cleaning up the environment technologies, I think we're just on the cusp of a lot of cool things. I think those things are really good. And I think being able to connect the entire world, commute, being able to jump on the internet 
and be able to interact. I think the more and more people have access to it, the better off we are. But I also, you know, will say the other side of it, just like I said with my other analogy, is depends on how people are going to use it. If it's good, hey, then everything's positive. If someone's going to use it for bad, then it's going to set us back as a whole group moving forward as well. So I'm very optimistic. I also like caution. You know, I think, like I said with the other analogies, how fast technology is moving. I mean, the iPhone is only basically 10 years old. <laughs> so think about Mm-hmm. It's only been around a decade, and how much has changed since it came on board. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with a book by Peter Diamandis called Bold? No, I know the author, but I'm not familiar with that book. Yeah, I think you will absolutely love it. It's called Bold, How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World. And it's all about the major changes that's ha- that are happening because of digital technology. And he is one of the most optimistic people you'll ever read. He presents a science fiction vision to you that you want to embrace. And it's it's just incredible. You'll You'll be totally stimulated by it. Now, what do you do for fun? Uh, I play a ton of golf. Are you good? Some days. Some days are not so good. That's, but that's the whole. That's the whole beauty, and you know, it's golf wrapped up in a nutshell there. And that's why I think I really like about it is, it's a chase for perfection. And even the best golfers in the world know they could never be perfect. And um, I think that's a. I get two things out of it. That drive for perfection helps me think as well. And I also, when I'm on the golf course, I don't think about anything else other than my next shot. And it's kind of a place to get away and it always has been that way for me well i i know exactly what you mean i fell in love with it myself and i see it so much as i see it as a, a metaphor for living it really I is because when you you like i said when you get out there you must be totally present and if you don't let go of a mistake mm-hmm. if you have a mistake that you make if you're thinking about that even for two seconds the past it will interfere with your next move Yep, you know, hundred percent correct. And if yeah. you you hit a great shot, and it can humble you, and you go very next shot, you know. And sometimes you string together, you know, six, seven great shots, and you have two or three really good holes, and then next thing you know, you have two or three really bad holes, and then oh. yeah, it's a. I I agree with that metaphor for life, and that that's the beauty of it. Plus, I like to be outside when I'm not uh not yeah. messing around on the on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes it makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure that that focus and that change probably uh revs you up, refreshes your your mental energy when you come back to work. Yeah, it does. I mean, I get a lot of ideas while I'm on the course. Um I try to either quickly send myself a text message, you know, or send myself an email rather, just with a note where I try and write it down on the scorecard sometimes. And I try not to think about it too much, but I'll take a note. But it does free my brain up um, because I do. I only think about the golf shot, but every once in a while something else will creep in. And Why don't you use an audio app where you just can quickly speak, yeah. it, in, speak it into the phone, right? Yeah, I, I do that yeah. as well. I also look at my playing partners are looking at me like I'm a little crazy, though. So sometimes just typing it out or writing it real quick is the best way to go. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Now, what what are your favorite books? I I read constantly. And um, I should say I read and I listen to um, books, you know, Audible. I almost said books on tape. They don't really exist. Tape doesn't exist anymore. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> I try and read, and I also listen on Audible. And, um, you know, I think there's something like holding a book in your hands, but I also listen to a lot just so I can make sure that I get um, as many as I want done. Um, but when I think about favorite books, you know, one of them would be Atlas Shrugged for sure. Um, just the philosophy around it. I don't necessarily agree with every single thing Ayn Rand had said, but I think it's always good to look at something in that type of format that has a mix of story as well as a mix of philosophy that can help you, um, you know, move along your path in life. So that would be, you know, one of them for sure. Mm -hmm. There's, there's been a, a ton of others. Um, you know, I can rattle them off the traveler's gift by Andy Andrews, the alchemist, um, a lot of stuff by Wayne Dyer, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, uh, The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell. Um, but the last couple that I'll mention, Tribes by Seth Godin, that was huge, especially for social media, and really start to focusing in on creating community on the internet. And that book came out at a great time. And uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's books, uh, Crush It and... Um, you know, I think um, there was another one that's escaping me that he did on social media specifically. It's called Jab, 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 yes. uh, right. right Hook. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic, man. And by the way, for our listeners, a reminder that Audible sponsors this show. And you can get any one of these books for free as a, as a download by simply going to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. And uh, again, I'm going to remind you, I, I know you're going to love this book, Bold, How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Cutler, or Kettler, K-O-T-L-E-R. Uh, -E what about a favorite quote? Good question. Um, you know, I have a ton of them. One of them I carry around personally, um, and uh, it reminds me of something. I'll just tell you a quick 15 second story here. I've been working, like I said, with my uncle earlier and landscaping. I had worked for this particular week for probably definitely close to 70, maybe even 80 hours. It was, I, I worked seven days that week. And I remember I was complaining a little bit and uh, my grandfather was there and my grandfather, World War II, you know, depression era child, etc. And uh, I was complaining <laughs> My grandfather took two fingers and jabbed them like right into my ribs, not like hard, but just hard enough and just said, you're soft. And I go back and I think about that because at the time I was a little ticked off. I was like, I'm just working like crazy. Um, what do you mean I'm soft? You know, this was manual labor too. It wasn't like I was just sitting behind a desk. And um, I think about that quote, you know, you're soft whenever I go to complain about something. Um, and I think about just my life just being blessed to be in the United States of America for number one. I mean, you're already you're already born on third base. I think Jim Rohn used to say that um, mm. you're already mm. there, you know. So like if you're just born in this country, it doesn't matter who you are, or what, especially in the last 50, 60 years, you had a leg up on many, many other people around the world. That was number one. But the real, you know, one of the big quotes that I, you know, from somebody, you know, not that my grandfather wasn't somebody. Um, it's from Colin Powell, and there's, there's no secrets to success. It's the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. And I like that one for a lot of reasons, because I don't think there's any secrets to success. You make a decision, you prepare, you do the work, and then you adjust from anything that you failed in. You take away the, 
the bad stuff and you amp up the good stuff and then you reintroduce more things to it and you prepare, put the work and repeat process. So that would be my quote. Beautiful. I like, actually, I'm going to use the, uh, all three of them. Uh, you're soft. Uh, uh, we're already we're born on third base. I love Jim Rohn and the, the Colin Powell. Thank you for that. Where do you see yourself in five years? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny because every time I get that question, I think about myself, well, where was I five years ago? And not that I don't plan, not that I don't do things. I try and tend to think in, in short bursts. But if I had to like, put a picture around it where I see myself in five years is I see myself um, still within the marketing world, um, still out there probably with a couple more books underneath my belt, some more speaking engagements, a little bit more of my own platform to to do that um, in terms of not just Bad Rhino, but you know the brand of Marty McDonald. And uh, probably in a warm weather climate. I'm pretty much done with snow and, and all that. I'd like to be someplace where I don't have to worry about that aspect of life and um, go from there. Play some more golf where I can do it 365 days a year. How about San Diego? It's a marketer's paradise. Just came back from there. Ah, <laughs> I love it. How can people contact you, Marty? Sure. The best way is uh, you can go to our website, Bad Rhino Inc. So B-A-D-R-H-I-N-O-I-N-C.com. Tons of information on there. Uh, We have a great blog. You can uh, utilize the contact form, get on our email list if you like. Um, You can also contact me directly through there. Or you can just shoot me an email. Every time I do a podcast or a radio show interview or any type of interview, I always offer up my email address, so it's Marty, M-A-R-T-Y, at BadRhinoInc.com. BadRhinoInc.com. Okay, my friend, any final thoughts? I think it was a great interview. I like, uh, you know, kind of pulling everything together and, um, you know, talking through a lot of these things. I think, you know, having obstacles and things in your life where you have challenges to your own success or what makes you successful and I think you have to embrace them. It might be hard at first, but once you overcome them, once you start working towards bigger and crazier and more fun goals, and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and whatever it means to you, just remember the obstacles are there to make sure you get to those goals. So treat them like that, and you'll do well. But I love the interview. I love the format, and I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you, my friend. You, you offered a lot of value to our listeners, to my storytellers today. Uh, you mentioned the obstacle. You're familiar also with a book. I think it's, who wrote that? He's a young marketer, and it's called The Obstacle is the Way. No, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, look it up. I think you'll like it. He's a, apparently a very successful young marketer, and he took it from one of the Greek philosophers, And uh, he wrote a book, a contemporary book called The Obstacle is the Way. And uh, um, it shows up on a lot of people's um, must-read lists. I want to thank you once again and um, enjoy your sequestered time in the storm. (laughs) Thank you again, storytellers, for spending time with us today, for tuning in live Remember to pay this forward. Let people know that they can hear this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at changeyourstorypodcast.com. And of course, at that website, you all can download a free transformational ebook 
Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Also, remember, since you heard so much about enriching books today, that you can download for free any audiobook of your choice from 180,000 titles by simply going to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. Now, Marty talked a lot about social media and the power that it has on your business and your life. Social media will force you to confront many of your limiting beliefs, many of your less-than-empowering stories. In the next week, think about social media and the Internet as an exciting new frontier, a frontier like outer space that has no limits. Venture into it fearlessly, and you may discover how you can live without limits. Begin your adventure by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.